0: Chapter Ten of the Imperialist by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. In the wide stretches of a new country, there is nothing to bound a local excitement or to impede its transmission at full value elgin was a manufacturing town in southern ontario but they would have known every development of the federal bank case at the north pole if there had been anybody there to learn in halifax they did know it and in vancouver b c while every hundred miles nearer it warmed as a topic in proportion in montreal the papers gave it headlines from toronto they sent special reporters Of course it was most of all the opportunity of Mr. Horace Williams of the Elgin Express, and of Rollins, who held all the cards in their hands, and played them it must be said admirably, reducing the mercury to all sorts of futile expedients to score, which the express would invariably explode with a guffaw of contradiction the following day. It was to the Express that the Toronto reporters came for details and local color, and Mr. Williams gave them just as much as he thought they ought to have, and no more. It was the Express that managed, while elaborately abstaining from improper comment upon a matter sub judice, to feed and support the general conviction of young Ormiston's innocence, and thereby win for itself though a grit paper wide reading in that hot-bed of toryism made a reservation while the conservative mercury with its reckless sympathy for an old party name made itself criminally liable by reviewing cases of hard dealing by the bank among the farmers and only escaped prosecution by the amplest retraction and the most contrite apology as mr williams remarked there was no use in dwelling on the unpopularity of the bank that didn't need pointing out folks down Manada way could put any newspaper wise on the number of mortgages foreclosed and the rate for secondary loans exacted by the bank in those parts that consideration no doubt human nature being what it is contributed the active principle to the feeling so widely aroused by the case We are not very readily the prey to emotions of faith in our fellows, especially perhaps if we live under conditions somewhat hard and narrow. The greater animosity behind is, at all events, valuable to give force and relief and staying power to a sentiment of generous conviction. But however we may depreciate its origin, the conviction was there. Widespread in the townships, young Ormiston would get clear the case for the defense might be heard over every bushel of oats in the elgin market-place in elgin itself opinion was more reserved there was a general view that these bank clerks were fast fellows and a tendency to contrast the habits and the pay of such dashing young men an exercise which ended in a not unnatural query as to the irritating caste feeling maintained among them young ormiston perhaps gave himself as few airs as any he was generally conceded indeed by the judging sex to be nice to everybody but was not that exactly the nature for which temptations were most easily spread the town moreover had a sapience of its own was it likely that the bank would bring a case so publicly involving its character and management without knowing pretty well what it was about the town would not be committed beyond the circle of young ormiston's intimate friends which was naturally small if you compared it with the public the town wasn't going to be surprised at anything that might be proved on the other hand the town was much more vividly touched than the country by the accident which had made lorne murchison practically sole counsel for the defense announced as it was by the express with every appreciation of its dramatic value among what the express called the farming community this in so far as it had penetrated was regarded as a simple misfortune a dull blow to expectancy which expectancy had some work to survive elgin with its finer palate for sensation saw in it heightened chances both forlorn and for the case and if any ratepayer within its limits had remained indifferent to the suit the fact that one side of it had been confided to so young and so smart a fellow-townsman would have been bound to draw him into the circle of speculation youth in a young country is a symbol wearing all its value it stands not only for what it is the trick of augury invests it at a glance with the sum of its possibilities the augurs all sincere confident and exulting they have been justified so often they know in their wide fair fields of opportunity just what qualities will produce what results there is thus a complacence among adolescent peoples which is vaguely irritating to their elders but the Greybeards need not be over-captious it is only a question of time pathetically short-lived in the history of the race sanguine persons in elgin were freely disposed to bet on lorne murchison and there were none so despondent as to take the view that he would not come out of it somehow with an added personal significance to make a spoon is a laudable achievement but it may be no mean business to spoil a horn as the express put it there was as little standing-room for ladies and gentlemen in the courthouse the first day of the spring assizes as there was for horses in the courthouse square the county crown attorney was unusually oddly reinforced by crookshank of toronto the great crookshank k c probably the most distinguished criminal lawyer in the province there were those who considered that cruikshank should not have been brought down that it argued undue influence on the part of the bank and his retainer was a fierce fan to the feeling in moneda but there is no doubt that his appearance added all that was possible to the universal interest in the case henry cruikshank was an able man and what was rarer a fastidious politician he had held office in the dominion cabinet and had resigned it because of a difference with his colleagues in the application of a principle. they called him after a british politician of lofty but abortive views the canadian renfair he had that independence of personality, that intellectual candor, and that touch of magnetism which combined to make a man interesting in his public relations. Cruikshank's name alone would have filled the courthouse, and people would have gone away quoting him. From the first word of the case for the prosecution there was that in the leading counsel's manner a gravity a kindness an inclination to neglect the commoner methods of scoring that suggested with the sudden chill of unexpectedly bad news a foregone conclusion the reality of his feeling reference to the painful position of the defendant's father the sincerity of his regret on behalf of the bank for the deplorable exigency under which proceedings had been instituted spread a kind of blankness through the court men frowned thoughtfully and one or two ladies shed furtive tears even the counsel for the defense it was afterward remembered looked grave sympathetic and concerned in response to the brief but significant and moving sentences with which his eminent opponent opened the case it is not my duty to report the trial for any newspaper i will therefore spare myself more than the most general references but the facts undoubtedly were that a safe in the strong room of the bank had been opened between certain hours on a certain night and its contents abstracted that young ormiston cashier of the bank was sleeping or supposed to be sleeping upon the premises at this time during the illness of the junior whose usual duty it was and that the crown was in possession of certain evidence which would be brought forward to prove collusion with the burglary on the part of a defendant collusion to cover deficits for which he could be held responsible in a strain almost apologetic mr cruikshank explained to the jury the circumstances which led the directors to the suspicion which they now believed only too regrettably well founded these consisted in the fact that the young man was known to be living beyond his means and so to be constantly visited by the temptation to such a crime the special facilities which he controlled for its commission and in particular the ease and confidence with which the actual operation had been carried out arguing no fear of detection on the part of the burglars no danger of interference from one who should have stood ready to defend with his life the property in his charge but who would shortly be seen to have been toward it first a plunderer in his own person and afterward the accomplice of plunderers to conceal his guilt examination showed the safe to have been opened with the dexterity that demands both time and coolness and the ash from a pipe knocked out against the wall at the side of the passage offered ironical testimony to the comfort in which the business had been done The lawyer gave these considerations their full weight, and it was in dramatic contrast with the last of them that he produced the first significant fragment of evidence against Ormiston. There had been, after all, some hurry of departure. It was shown by a sheet of paper bearing the mark of a dirty thumb and a hasty boot heel, bearing also the combination formula for opening the safe the public was familiar with that piece of evidence it had gone through every kind of mill of opinion it made no special sensation the evidence of the caretaker who found the formula and of the witnesses who established it to be in young ormiston's handwriting produced little interest Mr. Crookshank, in elaborating his theory as to why, with the formula in their hands, the depredators still found it necessary to pick the lock, offered nothing to speculations already current. The duplicate key with which they had doubtless been enabled to supply themselves was a clumsy copy, and had failed them. That conclusion had been drawn commonly enough the next scrap of paper produced by the prosecution was another matter it was the mere torn end of a greasy sheet upon it was written not less than three thousand net and it had been found in the turning out of ormiston's dressing-table it might have been anything a number of people pursed their lips contemptuously or it might have been without doubt The fragment of a disreputable transaction that the prosecuting counsel endeavored to show it. Here, no doubt, was one of the pieces of evidence the prosecution was understood to have up its sleeve, and that portion of the prosecuting counsel's garment was watched with feverish interest for further disclosures. They came rapidly enough, but we must hurry them even more. The name of Miss Florence Belton when it rose to the surface of the evidence riveted every eye and ear miss belton was one of those ambiguous ladies who sometimes drift out from the metropolitan vortex and circle restfully in backwaters for varying periods appearing and disappearing irrelevantly they dress beautifully they are known to paint and thought to dye their hair they establish no relations being much too preoccupied making exceptions only as a rule in favor of one or two young men to whom they extend amenities based it is the common talk upon late hours and whiskey and soda they seem superior to the little prevailing conventions they excite an unlawful interest though nobody knows them black nobody imagines them white and when they appear upon main street in search of shoelaces or elastic heads are turned and nods possibly nudges exchanged miss belton had come from new york to the barker house elgin and young ormiston's intimacy with her was one of the things that counted against him in the general view it was to so count more seriously in the particular instance witnesses were called to prove that he had spent the evening of the burglary with miss belton at her hotel that he had remained with her until one o'clock that he was in the habit of spending his evenings with miss belton rawlins of the express did not overdo the sensation which was caused in the courtroom when the name of this lady herself was called to summon her to the witness-box it was indeed the despair of his whole career he thought despondingly ever after of the thrill to which he himself was not superior and which if he had only been able to handle it adequately might have led him straight up the ladder to a night editorship miss belton appeared from some unsuspected seat near the door throwing back a heavy veil and walking as austerely as she could considering the color of her hair she took her place without emotion and there she corroborated the evidence of the servants of the hotel to the grave questions of the prosecution she fluently replied that the distraction of these evenings had been cards cards played certainly for money and that she certainly had won very considerable sums from the defendant from time to time in elgin the very mention of cards played for money will cause a hush of something deeper than disapproval there was silence in the court at this in producing several bank-notes for miss belton's identification mr cruikshank seemed to profit by the silence miss belton identified them without hesitation as she might easily since they had been traced to her possession asked to account for them she stated, without winking, that they had been paid to her by Mr. Walter Ormiston at various times during the fortnight preceding the burglary in satisfaction of debts at cards. She, Miss Belton, had left Elgin for Chicago the day after the burglary. Mr. Ormiston knew that she was going. He had paid her the four fifty-dollar notes actually traced the night before she left and said you don't need to break these here will you he seemed anxious that she should not but it was the merest accident that she hadn't in all she had received from mr ormiston four hundred and fifty dollars no she had no suspicion that the young man might not be in a position to make such payments she understood that mr ormiston's family was wealthy and never thought twice about it she spoke with a hard dignity the lady and a great effect of doing business a kind of assertion of the legitimate the farmers of fox county told each other in chap-fallen appreciation that she was about as level-headed as they make them lawyer crookshank as they called him brought forth from her detail after detail and every detail fitted damningly with the last the effect upon young ormiston was so painful that many looked another way his jaw was set and his features contorted to hold himself from the disgrace of tears he was generally acknowledged to be overwhelmed by the unexpected demonstration of his guilt but distress was so plain in him that there was not a soul in the place that was not sorry for him in one or two resolute faces hope still glimmered but it hardly survived the cross-examination of the crown's chief witness by the counsel for the defense which as far as it went had a perfunctory air and contributed little to the evidence before the court it did not go all the way however the case having opened late the defense was reserved till the following day when proceedings would be resumed with the further cross-examination of miss belton as the defendant's counsel went down the courthouse steps rollins came up to him to take note of his demeanor and anything else that might be going pretty stiff row to hoe you've got there lorne he said pretty stiff responded lorne End of chapter 10